Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. This is Rich Swan. Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support WrestleTalk. Support WrestleTalk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever WrestleTalk is and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Hello and welcome to the WrestleTalk podcast. I am Luke Cohn and I'm joined by Denise Salcedo. What's up? I'm so happy to be back. How have you been this week? I've been really good. This has actually been one of my busiest weeks and it's going to continue this weekend. I even started a digital planner. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's been, it's been busy. It's been busy. Well, this is also a very busy show. We're going to dive into it right now with thoughts on the Thunderdome uh, and talking about Renee Young leaving WWE and answering your mailbag questions. Here is the show. is our first look at WWE Thunderdome. Uh, so WWE, like, it, it's there was reports that the applications for Thunderdome, if you're not sure what it is, it's WWE's way of getting fans into the building without putting fans in the building. They've spent thousands of dollars on these LED boards that are going to be all around the Amway Center that are going to put virtual fans in the building. It's kind of, we were, we were sort of speculating about this last week and then about an hour after we recorded, they announced they were doing it. Um, typical. But uh, <laughs> so the applications for it apparently were like, they went up at a really random time. They were closed down really quickly as well. So it feels like this is a very select audience that they have picked for these shows, which I'll be honest, I think it's probably a smart move. I think they have to do that, though, because I know that they put out rules like you you can't be smoking, you can't promote any sort of branding, no third party, uh, no third party promotions or anything like that. And I was almost going to do the process and I got started and then I changed my mind and I didn't end up doing it. So I don't know exactly what the process was like for the person that was trying to sign up, because obviously it was open to everybody. But just sort of seeing uh, so far based on what I saw, it's pretty interesting to see how selections were made absolutely yes we've got our first look at this and we've actually got a video that was posted by at cory b chavez uh this is what it's currently looking like oh. 
I gotta say, I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. And I didn't even hate it from a start. I mean, first of all, when I got the press release for that and they're talking about state of the art technology and pyrotechnics and drones and all of this stuff, I honestly didn't hate it from the beginning. Uh, watching it though, from the viewer as the person behind the computer, I personally, I think I would feel awkward sort of just being like, yay, from home. Because <laughs> that's not obviously how I'm normally watching. Uh, you know, I'm t I tend to be quiet while I'm watching. <laughs> but in terms of watching how it looks, I think it looks pretty awesome. Obviously, there's little things that they're going to have to fix. Like, uh, there was like a lot of uh, black spaces in between some of the videos, which I thought was a little bit distracting. There were some where the persons were repeats the same face over and over which obviously we're not going to be seeing when it's once it's the final product but um but i think it looks pretty cool it looks very grand i saw what the nba had done with this because obviously they have something very similar and i will say that wwe blew it out of the water yeah i think it looks really really smart and i it's kind of made me really excited to see smackdown tonight because that's what we're going to get to see it like properly in action because so what they did last night for this test is they had a couple of matches the first one was jake atlas defeating tahuti miles they use other people's music as well i guess to kind of like test the, you know the sound and sort of video and everything because um atlas used braun Strowman's music while tahuti miles used grand metalique's theme um uh, we then got a uh, match between casey catanzaro and kaden carter versus indy hartwell and jesse Kumir. and then finally it was mansoor defeating ridge holland uh this is a fun note from wrestling inc that said the mansoor versus holland match actually featured comedy apparently done by two production assistants who came out earlier one of them kept confusing mansoor with ridge holland Hmm. Um, <laughs> but we, we've also had some reactions as well online uh, Simon Miller uh, said that it seems WWE has injected colors rainbows and a bag of skittles into their presentations hell yeah brighter is always better I'm pumped for Smackdown Kevin Mann of the Attitude Era podcast said welcome to the thunder oh god no <laughs> <laughs> I would say that the reactions have been pretty mixed so far Queen of the Ring friend of the show just with oh wow Kenny McIntosh, it looks so busy. I've missed wrestling looking busy. And Ross Twardell saying this, greater than the performance center any day of the week. And like that image there that Ross has shared, I totally agree. I think that looks so much more engaging and so much more visually interesting to watch than the performance center recruits just banging on plexiglass. It's so crazy, though, thinking about how the world has changed. Like, I look at this and have you, you know, we've all seen this like sci-fi shows where everybody essentially uh, does everything via technology. There's hardly like no human interaction. And that's what it feels like, like seeing these pictures. I feel like I've entered this, this new sci-fi world. And I mean, obviously the reasons are different than what you would see on a TV show. But the point is it just it's so crazy like had you told me this a year ago i would have never ever in a million years thought it so seeing how it's all sort of come about and seeing these pictures i mean it's crazy i know it's going to take a while to get used to it but i mean for i i thought i wasn't going to get used to the plexiglass i thought i wasn't going to get used to the performance center i thought i wasn't going to get used to no crowds and then having nxt talent uh doing the audience work i never thought i was going to get used to any of that so it's going to take a while to get used to this and i know i'm it's going to be a little bit distracting you're going to be looking at you know the audiences and it's not as dark as it normally is but i think it'll work out 
Yeah, it's it's been quite interesting to watch WWE progress through this because I being being it that it's a week to week live product, we as fans have essentially watched WWE work this out week by week. Like you know, the first first show they did where they had the Steve Austin return with uh, the Becky Lynch segment at the end was so quiet, like you could hear this pin drop, and it was just so eerie to watch. And they filmed it the same way; they had the hard camera on the same way. So then they were like, okay, we'll move the hard camera around to this side, so you're looking at the ramps. There's a bit more color there. You're not just looking at empty seats and then we moved into the recruitments uh the, the, P- the pc recruits banging on the plexiglass now we're just moving into phase four of this which is this new way and i think you're right it might take a little while to get used to i think when we do our SummerSlam live reactions on sunday a lot of the chat and a lot of the super chats we're going to get in are going to be about thunderdome more than matches <laughs> and results but I, I just think it's gonna be really interesting to kind of like watch this as a group of people as a group of fans and just sort of experience this all together i I, i'm i'm cautiously i'm actually very optimistic about this yes you know one of the things that i'm looking forward to is actually the drones because i'm very interested you know wwe can get very inventive with how they shoot things how they try different stuff and you know we've seen it 3d graphics you name it they've tried a lot of different stuff so i'm very interested in seeing what new perspectives or angles we're going to be getting and i read somewhere i forget where that uh that i think so uh, they said that the entrances are going to be like really grand like wrestlemania level or something like that and when i read that i thought okay well now i'm really interested in seeing what else this thunderdome is capable of so i think it's pretty exciting and i know for a fact that curiosity is going to get the best of a lot of people to tune in friday night and check it out yeah absolutely and then in turn for nxt and for i don't think they're doing for nxt but certainly for SummerSlam and and raw the the following night after that that you know they do need to do something that's going to try and bounce these ratings back that have unfortunately fallen during the the covid era um yeah i i I think it's gonna be really cool i'm I'm looking forward to seeing this wrestle votes tweeted out uh source in orlando said spirits are high as they have been in some time many backstage road employees who've been off are returning and intrigue of the thunderdome has staff excited the energy this week weekend from the talent performing should be off the charts so we've already got like a pretty packed SummerSlam show anyway but like i oh, think yeah. if they're if they're like at a level where they're like well we really need to we need to knock this out of the park now they are going to go out there and deliver some amazing matches you know what i was thinking about how crazy is it that the year 2020 is the year that summer slamming yeah it's a big big pay-per-view but it's going to essentially look the production is going to be so much more grander than wrestlemania yeah, yeah. <laughs> like think about that that's mind-blowing like i went back and i was watching i was i was googling some of the pictures of wrestlemania this year at the pc and i just i, I have that image of drew mcintyre and he's celebrating and you know he has his championship and i'm thinking holy dang like this is not the wrestlemania moment picture that we are so used to seeing no you're absolutely right yeah i mean the last time i think we'd have had to know this was like SummerSlam 92 when they did it here at wembley stadium because that was like you know the big 92,000 people there and then wrestlemania was like you know 20,000 or whatever it was but more often than not nope SummerSlam is not as big as WrestleMania, <laughs> yeah. but this year it's going to look so so big and so grand um the other bit of news to i wanted to cover from this week um is renee young uh, it was so it was announced yes. the other day that she is looking to be leaving WWE. SummerSlam is probably going to be her last date with the company, and she is moving on to other things. Now, Renee Young is someone who I think is an incredible 
she's an incredible talent in WWE and someone that I don't think they've utilized her to her best. Like when she was doing backstage interviews, I thought she was pretty good. You know, she was good in that role. She was good on commentary early doors, but I think they overproduced her and just sort of turned her into a soundboard as opposed to an actual commentator with opinions. But the best work she did was talking smack. Like her and Brian were so good on that show. And that talking smack show elevated that SmackDown brand. Like you wouldn't believe, like it made it, in some cases, often talking smack was more important than watching SmackDown. Like it was, <laughs> and it was down to the hard work of, of Renee Young making that work. And even when she did the pre-show panels, I think she elevated it where she made it seem and feel more important. Like if you know, if you're if you're about to watch a big award show and you're watching, you know, E news, like that's the source. Like that is how big and important it felt when she was hosting hosting the pre-show panels. But here's the thing about Renee Young, and this is what I'm so thankful for, is that we all know she's great and all of that. But one of the things that she brought to the table that really wasn't seen is that she brought personality to to the host, to the interviewer. For a very long time, we were seeing a lot of females that were called robotic. They were just, you know, reciting lines and that's about it. Very, very crisp, very, very polished type of hosting. And with Renee Young, she brought this natural charisma, this, this girl next door vibe that she seems very approachable and just like an easy person to talk to. And she came across that way on camera. And so I think she set a new standard for what the future of WWE announcers and interviewers should be like. And I mean, there's people like Kayla Braxton who also have that natural, like, yeah, I, you know, I'm bubbly and this is how I'm going to say things. And I think that Renee Young was the one that sort of started that off and brought it, brought it and, you know, is raising it up to the, to the next level. And so I think that now whoever gets put in that situation has a very, uh, they have some big shoes to fill for sure. But I think that she definitely set a new standard and I'm excited to see what she's going to do next. I think she, I honestly feel like she already had one foot out of WWE from the beginning from, you know, from recent times and who knows what that moment was that sort of made her officially say, okay, I'm out. Uh, but I do think that she is just so capable of so much more. And there's so many opportunities that she can do. She can do sports. She can do entertainment. She has her cooking, sh her cooking book. She, who knows cooking shows, whatever it is that she might want to do. The opportunity is there. Yeah, there is a big wide world out there for, for someone like Renee Young because she has got everything. She's got absolutely everything you would want from a broadcaster, as you said. Like, she, And like I think what made her so great in WWE and what really endeared fans to her is that she's so clearly a fan. And yeah. that really comes across. It came across when she was doing interviews. It came across on Talk and Smack. came across, as you said, on the pre-show, that she she loves wrestling. And she loves being a part of wrestling. And as a fan, that makes you kind of, it just really endeared all of us to her. And it coupled that with a fantastic personality and a brilliant presenting style. That is easily transferable across to other sports. And she has got a sports journalistic background. So she is got so many, like there are open doors waiting for her around this. I know a lot of people are going to be, you know, straight over to AEW because we do live in this wrestling bubble where if you are in a wrestling product, you just go to the other wrestling products. But I think Renee is, I almost feel like, I don't want wrestling to hold her back. Like, I just think that she's got <laughs> so many opportunities there. Cookbooks, as you mentioned, like it, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot on the table for, for Renee. 
I think so too. And I definitely don't see her going to AEW. I, I know that that's what you said. We're all living in this bubble. If she might stay in wrestling, I don't see it. I think she's definitely going to branch out and do something different. And I'm glad you mentioned too the fact that she had the journalistic background because I feel like having that was another thing that she added. It wasn't just a pretty girl modeling experience. No, she has legit experience. And now that should definitely be a prerequisite for future hires. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Well, lastly, NXT ratings it went unopposed last night because there was no AEW. It's on this Saturday instead. Uh, and it averaged 853,000 viewers, which was up from the 619 the previous week. Uh, and it was also up in the 18 to 49 demographic. It's NXT's best number since November 20th last year, which did 916 during that Survivor Series build. So very good week for, for NXT, the final build to take over 30. Um, have you seen the show? What did you think of it? Yeah, so I definitely watched the show. So first of all, in terms of the ratings, you know, good for them. Like, hey, there was a nice boost there. So uh, whether or not those people will come back the following week, so we'll see similar numbers, who knows? But I am looking forward. And, and now here's the thing, too, is that they had competition. You know, they had sports. I think the Democratic Convention was also going on at the same time. So the number wasn't necessarily bad. And the fact that they had the increase was, was really good. good. And then I know that it was reported that on September 2nd, AEW is going to have their standalone show without NXT as competition. So I'm looking forward to seeing how AEW is going to do in regards to you know their standalone performance without having NXT there as well so I thought that was uh I thought that was that that one's going to be a, a really good telling of where they're at uh in terms of NXT I think the number one thing that we have to talk about is Pat McAfee to be honest Luke I when I when I first heard that Adam Cole, Pat McAfee was going to be a thing, and I saw that first confrontation that they had in the interview and all of that, I thought, oh, God, this is going to be awful. I was not looking forward to it. I was like, oh, this is embarrassing. This is not going to work, etc. cetera. I, I thought that. Okay, that was honest, my honest to God real opinion when I first saw this. And I will say that I have made a 180 and I have to say that Pat McAfee convinced me to get behind this storyline, get behind this feud. I thought that his promo that he did on NXT was absolutely great. Um, I thought he he has that thing where if the goal is for, for him to annoy the audience and really piss people off and get under their skin, oh, he is doing it. He is very much executing it and that is a good thing because he's definitely getting that heel work in and one of the other things that I do think is that his match against Adam Cole is going to be good for multiple reasons one he's athletic two he cares about what he's doing and those are the two key things that if you're going to have a celebrity who necessarily doesn't have any wrestling experience before if you're going to have a celebrity come in and work a match with somebody they should have those two qualities qualities athleticism and passion because at least you know that if you're in there with a good worker like adam cole you can be carried to a to a good match so um so i'm looking forward to that one i thought they did a good job on that and uh one of the other highlights i mean every single week it's it's carrying cross and one of the things that i did want to talk about on this podcast today 
is that it just like hit me. And this is this is so dumb because it was always there, like staring me in the nose, but I just needed to get it off my chest. I seriously think that Karrion Cross has by far one of the best character developments in all of wrestling that I have seen in a very long time in terms of creative, the way that he's promoted uh, from his entrance to his promos to everything that surrounds his character. I cannot think of somebody else that I think has had uh, that much that is that that is so unique and intriguing and different and so I think that was a standout as well and there was some other good moments I thought uh Gar- Gargano and Rich Holland had a good match an aggressive one um so yeah there was some good moments on NXT yeah it was it was a really good show this week and I, I on the Pat McAfee thing I the real big tell for me is that three weeks ago when this first started Laurie and Adam's uh, NXT podcast, they were so down on this and they were just like completely, they did not get on with this. You watch their NXT podcast they did yesterday, they're now really into this feud. I think WWE and NXT have done a really solid job of getting people into this match. Even people that might have been detractors at the start have made them want to see this match. And I think Adam Cole is going to carry him to a really, really entertaining celebrity wrestling match. And Adam's prediction on the NXT uh, prediction stream we did on clips yesterday, it, I, I'm, I'm now kind of really inter- interested in the idea of, of Kyle O'Reilly turning on the Undisputed Era, costing Adam Cole the match to allow Pat to win. And you then build that into an Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly feud. And that can be Adam Cole's final NXT feud before he goes off to the main roster. You know, I can definitely see that happening because obviously you don't want the wrestler losing to the celebrity, okay? You don't want a clean finish, nothing like that. Because, I I mean, as great as Pat McAfee has been, I would be, like, livid if I saw that. Um, But here's the thing, though, is that Pat McAfee has also done a great job where if they were to do something like that, I can see the fans being like, okay, I can buy this. Like, this guy, you know, he's he's such, you know, whatever, and he ends up getting this win over Adam Cole, who is highly respected in the business and is an incredible talent and athlete and all of that. So if anything, if that were to happen, it would have to be like that. I've also got to give a shout out to Adam Cole as well. He did a, a Twitch stream recently with a um, friend of Russell Talk, Grand Pooh Bear, where they were playing Fall Guys together. And Adam Cole kept up kayfabe the entire time. He was cutting promos on Pat McAfee, talking about the interview that he did. Adam Cole was great. He's awesome. I love Adam Cole. I love him. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you like quizzes? Do you like wrestling? Do you like watching self-professed experts in their fields being exposed as dangerous frauds? Then you'll love Quizzle Mania, brought to you by Parts Fun Known, the team behind acclaimed wrestling RPG No Rolls Barred. Join us every week as four wrestling pundits pit their knowledge against each other in a cerebral wrangle for prizes, glory, and a bit of good old-fashioned escapism. Enjoy the videos live every Wednesday on Parts Fun Known's YouTube channel, or subscribe right now to have them beam straight to your mobile device. Quizzlemania, it's the showcase of the Immorons. Uh, right, well, let's dive into the Patreon mailbag. If you want to submit a question to myself and Denise, head on over to patreon.com forward slash talk and leave a comment in the community tab. Any dollar amount you can back us at, do not email me. I will just lose it. Very bad at my job. And our first question comes in from Jonathan Hedman. He says, welcome, Denise. Happy to see you part of the magazine show. I have a quick question. Uh, what match that, if given an opportunity to showcase a story, would you like to see? It doesn't need to be a brand new matchup either. For example, I would love to see Joe versus Punk at a takeover show i know punk's never rested in nxt remember the first nxt show uh, i saw had asker versus mickey james on it that takeover show is what brought me back into wrestling in 2016. i would definitely go and this is the match that i've been wanting to see for a long time and with the right built it would be phenomenal and it would be drew mcintyre versus alistair black without a doubt yeah that's really cool uh i'm actually gonna go i'm gonna go with punk as well but i'm gonna go punk triple h I think oh, like, yeah. with all the history now, like, you know, because like, it was, you had a quite a good sort of build. You had a solid storyline you could tell when he was in the company in 2012 and 2013. Now, post 2014 and with him leaving and the, the podcast and everything, the WrestleMania match that he, that he revealed they were supposed to have, that's six years of history. You could build a really interesting story to tell a wrestling match with uh, in WWE Punk versus Triple H now. Man, anything CM Punk coming back, I would just be like on board with. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mansoor is my favorite wrestler ever, has two questions. Uh, Luke, do you know anything about a jobber from a few years ago called Bob Emery? I honestly don't. Uh, I don't know. Um, I, check out cagematch.net. Uh, Maybe that might be able to help you out there. And a uh, question for the Hammer Denise. Do you see AEW beating Raw in a year's time? Oh. <sighs> That's a tough one. And he, I would, 
had you asked me this maybe a while ago, I would be like, nope, not going to happen. Moving on. But given how everything's changing and, you know, obviously we're sweet, we're seeing the ratings go down for Raw, unfortunately. Uh, you know what? Never say never. Honestly, never say never. So I'm not going to say yes and I'm not going to say no. I'm just going to say that it's a possibility because at this point, so many things that I never thought would happen are happening. But I don't know if it would happen in the next year. Maybe in a couple, maybe not so soon. But then again, I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, like I, I've been doing some research recently for uh, the next actually good video. And you look at the ratings patterns for Raw over the last 20 years, like they've lost two thirds of their audience. And that's a, that's a, it's a sad fact of life, unfortunately, that that's not something it's not going to level out. I mean, it might do, but it might also drop further. We don't know. So I, I think it's, it's almost impossible to know. But yeah, time will tell. I'm not sure currently, but time certainly will tell. It breaks my heart. Like every time I talk to people that aren't in the wrestling community and, and, and I tell them like, they find out that I'm a wrestling fan and they go, they always say the same thing I used to watch when I was a kid. I used to watch when it was in the Attitude Era. And I'm thinking, guys, like, what happened? Come back, come back. And obviously, you know, when SmackDown moved to Fox and they're doing all of these promos for, you know, during during sports games that have millions of viewers. And I'm asking to myself, what does it take for someone that hasn't watched wrestling in forever to say, you know what, I'm going to give it a try again. I don't know what yeah. it would take, to be honest. I don't know. Uh, Jobber JJ, hello, Luke and Denise. I fantasy booked myself on uh, Retribution. What if Retribution is former TNA guys? This comes after Joseph Parks made his on-screen debut on SmackDown, uh, and it's now a TV 14 show. Bailey and Banks in in-ring productions reminded me of Scott Steiner that one time. Uh, WWE bringing back established stars and pushing established stars. So WWE brings back Cena, Taker, Triple H, and Sting. I hear Bully Ray's a free agent. You can do WWE versus TNA uh, War 10 years on. I think... Uh, Jay, you may have, I, I don't know if there is really an appetite for a WWE versus TNA war in 2020. Probably not. And especially because I think that Impact Wrestling has been trying so hard to get rid of that old TNA stench where people are like, uh, it's TNA without even giving it a chance. They were just like, oh, it's TNA. I'm not going to watch whatever. Right. Um, so I think they've been doing working a lot with getting rid of that so but in terms of this i mean the only person that i could think of would be like bobby rude where if he were to come in and they were to do something like that but i don't see it happening i think that they have to do somebody that is going to be uh somebody like tomasa champa or i think one of my predictions was even alistair black or just somebody that feels important and feels like a big deal so that retribution can honestly means somebody something because if it's a week week reveal this is just going to be like people are going to be like thumbs down thumbs down yeah. we do not want this to be an eric rowan spider situation we no want be, uh, <laughs> we want this to be a good reveal uh chris smith have you ever had a family member or non-wrestling fan in a room during a really embarrassing botch i remember my brother passing through when i was watching tna lockdown 2006 chase stevens attempted a shooting star press off the cage and all four of his opponents failed to catch him needless to say my brother was not sold on tna um i don't know if my family has ever walked in or like someone i know has walked in on a botch but i certainly I have thought there are certain moments when I've watched wrestling where I was like, God, I hope my wife does not come in at this point. <laughs> oh, like the very like sexy, erotic moments. <laughs> I get you 100% on that. Yeah. 
Yeah, particularly like when you know the first episode of Raw Undergrounds when they had the sexy dancers. I was like, God, I hope Kate does not come in now. Oh, like, but that's not, not too time. bad though. I mean, we've seen a lot worse happen in the company where it's like the sexy dancers probably wouldn't be at the top of my list. So I have one, not a botch though, but similar to you. So when I was younger. Uh, you know, obviously I don't, at that point in my time, I was a teenager. I didn't really know. I didn't have a boyfriend yet. I didn't really know much about my sexuality or anything like that. And I remember my mom, she walked in. It was, I think it was a SummerSlam promo and I forget what exactly was happening, but one of the women forgot who was putting like sunscreen. I think it was on Christy Hemi and she was like massaging her like very erotically and my mom looks at me and she goes Denise is this why you like to watch wrestling and I was like mom they don't always show this stuff and I don't know I don't know where I'm at in this point in my life but it felt very awkward for me because you know it, it just felt awkward because my you know I'm Mexican culture, you don't kiss, you don't touch, you're very anti-PDA. So seeing that on television is very, very, very awkward. So I know that was awkward for me. I remember being in the crowd during HLA with my uncle and I was just trying to act like I didn't know what that meant. And there was times where my uncle would take me out of the room, you know, when I was a lot younger and I couldn't see certain of certain stuff because back then it wasn't PG. It was certainly not. Uh, story that always comes to mind it's not it's not a personal story mind me it was the first attitude era live uh, the first attitude era podcast live show i went to in london someone told a story that their dad uh, walked into the room during the scott steiner triple h pose down segment on raw and that they were like ah so i guess this is why he likes wrestling then and just sort of walked down he's like ah no no there's other stuff there's those stories that i like exactly oh my god exactly and if people don't watch wrestling and they don't know that every now and then that stuff is thrown in there uh it can be very awkward <laughs> i love that, that how it's happened to people everybody has that in back of their head god please don't walk in right now uh, Moyne says, uh, my question is about The Fiend. Uh, we've seen The Fiend listen to his Hurt Glove numerous times since he's debuted, which has led to him attacking the likes of Balor, Rollins, and Bryan. However, he's yet to heal someone. Which scenario do you think The Fiend can heal his opponents? Is there anyone on the current roster you could see this idea working with? No, because I think the the whole thing is he's, he helps, he heals himself by hurting other people, right? So I don't yeah. see I don't see if he would necessarily want to heal anybody else. Well, I the, don't know. The only person I could think of is Braun, like because unless Braun and, and Alexa are in cahoots with what they've been doing on SmackDown, like maybe the Fiend has pushed Braun too far into this sort of like monster role, and he now needs to heal him and and kind of like bring Braun back from the brink. Like I don't know. I'm just I, that was the first thing that came to my head. I, I feel like this whole storyline has honestly been very very confusing and it's gone back and forth where i feel every single person has a different analysis of what on earth is happening i mean it's been like what four months now that they've been doing this so yeah. uh so yeah i think it's definitely gone back and forth i think at this point it's like what do you take away from this but no that's a tough question i don't know 
Uh, right up, guys. So the Sonya Deville stuff is crazy. I've been following what's going on. I have uh, in no way condone what's happened on any level to emphasize that. I'm just happy she's okay. Uh, yeah, I think this might be in the WrestleTalk news today, which hasn't been recorded yet. But like the the details that have come out since uh, about this are really really scary. Um, right up continues. What I was hoping for you guys is to help highlight, uh, since you're such huge supporters of mental health. When the news was breaking, I read the attacker's Twitter page, peppered in between obsessive tweets to uh, about Sonya, were desperate tweets and replies to doctors and psychologists begging for help. As someone who struggles with borderline personality disorder, I could never bring myself to ask for help. I'd never get that desperate. But before long, I was in hospital and it was almost too late. I just really hope everyone can keep a sensitive, uh, can keep sensitive mind to the fact that we're not taking people's cries for help seriously. Maybe next time we'll see them in the replies. Maybe next time we don't ignore them, reach out and see if they're doing okay. As much as we're all happy Sonia is okay and shocked about the situation, we should be equally shocked that we're still missing people begging for help. By the grace of good, no one was seriously injured or worse, but in a better world, we wouldn't even be needing to have this sobering conversation. Yeah, I mean, oof, I was reading the details on Sonia, what happened, and the visual of her hearing this alarm ring and opening up her, her porch door. And I think she said that she was in the middle of closing it when she looks up and she sees this man with a knife and pepper spray. I mean, I will tell you right now that that is every, I mean, that's every person's worst nightmare. But as speaking as a woman who is more vulnerable and, you know, obviously children and older people as well, uh, that is the worst fear. That is the number one thing where it's always behind your mind. If I go outside, if I go to the store, it doesn't matter where I go. That is always in your mind, in your head, and you always have. And there's a joke going around that women are always prepared for something awful to happen to them. And we always have ideas. I mean, we walk with our keys, with our finger, with our uh, our finger inside the ring hole, like ready to attack, uh, whatever it is. Right? We all have this plan that we have, and that's the worst nightmare. And knowing that that happened to her, it just oh, like it's horrible. But I don't know. Obviously, the person that did this to her had very, very serious issues. And I it, it was just awful. That's all I can say. Yeah. It's, it's just awful. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, if you are in a position where you do feel like you need to, it, it's never a bad thing to ask for help. It's it's never the wrong thing to do. It, it is always worth reaching out and asking for help. Uh, Resttalk.com forward slash support has got a, a long list of people that you can reach out to if you are in this sort of situation, because I, I, I think Right Dog Guy is, is, is right on this. You know, in a better world, we wouldn't need to be having this conversation. We would need to be sit there and, and having Sonia stuck in this situation where she feels threatened or you feel like you need to walk around with keys in your hands because you're, you're walking to your car. But yeah, like it's, I think let's all try and support each other, let's try and lift each other up and, and try and live in a better world. Yes, uh, and share those I'm, tips. Be ready, <laughs> be ready to attack. I'm ready to attack. <laughs> uh, Frank Patello, uh, if you can't pick someone, uh, if you can pick someone from your respected, okay, so if you could pick someone from outside your respective channel as your Quizzlemania tag team partner, who are you picking, and why is it Steve? I mean, surely it's Denise, right? Like, surely I'm picking, I'm picking Denise for this. <laughs> I don't Sorry. know. I dropped the, the ball so buddy. hard. <laughs> I dropped the ball so hard on Quizzlemania. You know, after Quizzlemania, when I teamed up with SRS, I sent him a private message and I was like, I'm so sorry. I, because of me, we lost in the last round. I'm so sorry. And he was like, 
it's okay. No worries. So I'm like, I'm the worst partner now. Like in my head, like I'm awful and I'm never going to move on from this ever in my entire life. So, um, so yeah, I think anybody would be an amazing partner except me. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, Steve, uh, Steve's a good pick though. Brian, though, like Brian's got a good wrestling knowledge. He's got a good wrestling head as a tag partner. Uh, Carter Nelson, uh, I really like the Hurt Business as much as the next guy, but maybe it's just me. Why did MVP have to bury Retribution on Raw? I don't know about this one, Carter. I didn't feel like he did kind of bury. I think he was just trying to take the the sort of the heat that WWE think the Retribution have and move that into his feud with Apollo Crews. Like I don't think he was particularly burying the team at all. I don't think he buried them at all. If anything, I, I, I was making fun of this on the Raw podcast. And the reason for that was because he went out there and he, we had just seen Retribution attack the production truck, right? So we knew where they were at. They were in that vicinity of the production area. And then he came out and he said, well, if I knew where Retribution was, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, we just saw this. So if anything, I thought... Yeah, exactly. So if anything, I thought it made them look bad that they said that. So I didn't see it as a burial of retribution. And I mean, really, can you bury retribution, though? Can you? No, I think the Internet's not... already doing that. Yeah, yeah. Meshribution, if we've renamed them. Uh, Alex Kirkman <laughs> said, I love you guys and everything to you, but I do have a slight niggle that bothers me. Before I start, um, things such as the Phoenix Seth runs at Hell in a Cell are inexcusable. That being said, I do think you guys do a lot of nitpicking. The most recent example is Ollie on the SmackDown podcast saying that no one from the back came out to help Biggie and Morrison against Retribution. Whatever people think, WWE are trying to build this new faction, and if that kind of logic was implemented every time there's a beatdown, there wouldn't be any beatdowns. I suppose what I'm trying to say is that wrestling is uh, story-based, and sometimes you have to suspend disbelief and accept some things. Accept some things. Uh, similar to watching Coronation Street, people just accept that all this drama occurs on one street. They accept some storylines without much criticism or uh, for entertainment purposes. I do feel like you are quick to point out little things and try to apply common sense to wrestling when I uh, think, for the purpose of story building, it's better just to accept and let things go. Do you agree? Or at least justify yourselves. I, I, I'm, I've got to be honest, like, it's not just with Retribution, the baby faces never coming out, like, or like locker room, because they sometimes do. That's the problem with it uh, for me is that, you know, when the NXT invasion was happening last year, locker rooms were emptying to kind of chase NXT off and, and things like that. So they sometimes do it and then they sometimes don't, which is where sort of like the inconsistency lies. And like, you know, with the, the Dominic Mysterio thing on Raw last week when he was being beaten up by Seth Rollins, and like Samoa Joe sat right there like and he's part yeah. of this storyline and I know they've got this oh Joe can't get involved to cost him his job I'm like that's Samoa Joe like that's that's the Samoan submission machine he's not gonna sit there being like well I mean the corporate suits have said that I can't get involved so I'm not going to it's Samoa freaking Joe like he does what he wants to do exactly and so with that being said, I don't agree and I don't disagree because I do agree. So I, I'm the person I can easily suspend my disbelief. Okay. I'm the gullible type of fan. If, if, if I want to enjoy something, I can, you know, ignore the little details, but there are moments, like you said, especially with that example of Samoa Joe watching Dominic nearly get killed in the ring. Um, there are some things where I'm thinking, okay, I can't let that one go. Like that one, that one doesn't make sense to me. Um, but I think I, I tend to be more towards the side of, I don't know, not every little thing bothers me, but there are some things where I'm like, okay, this could be done differently. So I think it really just depends on the person. Cause I have seen people online that they complain about everything and I'm just like, Oh God, whatever. But you know, it, it really just depends. I, I think at the end yeah. of the day, 
at the end of the day, you're watching. If it's fun for you to nitpick and that's what makes it satisfying for you, then by all means, do what you want. <laughs> Uh, Nick Covella says, hi, Luke and Denise. Now you're officially part of the team. Hope you're doing well. Uh, in regards to AEW, still a messy women's division. Cody revealed in an interview a few weeks back that he, uh, when he was asked about Rey Mysterio or Tessa Blanchard getting signed to AEW, that Brandy, Kenny and Tony Khan are all equally responsible for the booking of the division. And they were putting their ear to the ground to listen in regards to fan input about future women signings. Given this revelation, which of the following do you think is the cause for the lack of consistency and cohesion? Is it too many cooks in the kitchen or the civil war between brandy and kenny over conflicting visions that tony is trying to mediate i i think that that's the second one has certainly been there from the start because i think that kenny wanted to do very much the joshi star wrestling style whereas brandy was doing the more sports entertainment style you know she was doing her nightmare collective stuff uh i think really what it boils down to is that tony khan's is a numbers man and Tony Khan saw ratings patterns for women's segments not doing as well. So there's less focus being put on those. Uh, I, I think that's ultimately what it boils down to. So I think it's definitely too many cooks in the kitchen. Too many directions, too many people saying this, too many people saying that. I think at the end of the day, there needs to be someone that has the final say. And yeah, obviously that's Tony Khan. But I don't think Tony Khan has the time to necessarily invest his whole entire time into, you know, the women's division. So I think at the end of the day, there has to be one person that says, hey, this is what we're going with and this is what we're doing. And here's the thing. They can't necessarily go with the route of, yeah, maybe they weren't getting good ratings, right, for, for their women's matches. Okay, I get that, but it's a start. I mean, Impact Wrestling has been – at the forefront of women's wrestling and what they have been doing. I mean, WWE is the biggest company out there, but they fell behind TNA, uh, TNA Impact, whatever. You, you know, they fell behind, okay? And um, so with that being said, there's no excuse for not putting effort into the women's division when you see that it made – impact wrestling a unique company because they invested in their women they had amazing matches and it worked and it was believable wwe look at all the things that they've been doing with their women i mean i can't name you everything that they've been doing they've been i mean they main evented with a women's match that should tell you everything and you know when they're doing these ratings war they have women closing out the matches they have women opening up the shows at this point women have been sort of you know all over uh wwe programming and so there's really no excuse for not putting effort into the women's division and i 100 get it like some of the some of the women might not be you know um maybe some of them are a little bit more green and yes they might need more experience and that's why they had the the you the tournament on youtube i get that i 100 get that so then with that being said i do think that they need to incorporate women that can help those women that are more green and help them get to that next level you know get your own natalia's get your own mickey james uh on the aew roster but i do think the women need to have a bigger chance and if the numbers were what was bothering them it doesn't necessarily mean that they should necessarily go back down to two minute matches or not even be included on the show, because if it works yeah. for impact and it worked for WWE, it can work for anybody. 
absolutely it can easily work i mean i've i've i'm a broken record on this but like it's 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 inexcusable at this point like i know that people are really digging and trying to find out well cody said this out well brandy said this out well kenny has said this and tony has said this i was like i I, that's fine but it at this point it is inexcusable there is literally nothing there's no good reason why you're not doing this and the people the those reasons like you said uh you know they're too green you can't put them out on tv well cool this is what you got dark for but dark this week only had one women's match on it there's like 11 matches on dark every week and there was one women's match this week so they're not even doing it on dark so like there's there's no excuse there either i yeah I, i think it is something that they really do need to pull the finger out of. I think they really need to sort something out on this. Um, Callum says, uh, the other day I found myself watching Shinsuke Nakamura's SmackDown debut on YouTube and thought, how the hell did they mess this guy up? My question is, do you think he'll uh, be the star of old or do you think he'll just be in random tag teams forever? I think he'll be in random tag teams forever. I think he is this generation Cesaro. I feel bad. I mean, oh, God, I remember how much hype he came in. I was there at NXT when he came out, and everybody was freaking out. I definitely think he's slotted where he's at. And his feud with AJ Styles fell flat and was very disappointing. So I feel after that, that didn't do him any favors. So I think at this point, I mean, you know that in WWE, if you're seen a certain way, you're kind of stuck in that whatever they see you as and he's definitely lost what makes him special i think it's unfortunate and not like lost it but in in the company i guess you can say uh flaming life says a few weeks ago i tried to uh ask luke but you took the day off um who in your opinion is the sexiest female villain of all time and why is it carmen san diego huh i've honestly i i don't know and who was um hang on Okay, sexiest well, let's come back to that female one. villain. Female I don't villain. know. I would kind of. Uh, I would go with Ursula when she was the 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 attractive one trying to get Eric. <laughs> she was a villain, and she was you know trying to steal Ariel's Ariel's man. <laughs> I don't know if that counts, but I'll take it. I think I'm going to have to go with the Baroness from G.I. Joe. I was just trying to think of what her name was there. I'm going to go with the Baroness from G.I. Joe. Uh, and secondly, uh, if DDP never broke his neck uh, with Bob Holly, where do you think his, uh, what would have been his ceiling? First thing, would have loved to see him wrestle John Cena or The Miz or The Rock, maybe get a WWE Championship reign before he retired. I think he hit his ceiling the moment he stepped through the door. Uh, that was, he had that feud with Undertaker. Undertaker never sold for him. And that was it. And then he just went right to the mid, right down the card. European champion. That was his ceiling. He was never progressing any further than that in WWE. I agree with you on that one. Yep. Yep. Marcus Campbell, given the WWE and AEW are bringing backs by the either virtually or physically, my question is: Do you think Impact will allow paid fans to turn up for their future tapings and TVs? I don't think so because even prior, they weren't necessarily doing big numbers in terms of audiences prior to the pandemic. So I'm going to say no, but I do think that they need to add people sort of how, you know, AEW and WWE were doing in the beginning of this, adding people at ringside because I was watching Impact in the last several weeks. It, it It's too quiet. It's too quiet. We need some sort of ambience. And so they need to do, they need to add some people. 
Uh, Dwayne the Gronk Johnson, with the news emerging that Renee Young might be leaving WWE, it got me thinking about some of the best interview segments that have happened recently. I love heel Kevin Owens interviews where he constantly mocks the interviewer. What does it make me ask you guys, what are some of your favorite all-time interview segments? Interview segments, I remember really enjoying The Rock and Lillian and The Rock and Jonathan Coachman. <laughs> I mean, anything with The Rock. I mean, there was just some some really funny stuff in there. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah, I mean, like you could sort of cherry pick anything from The Rock's 2000 run of promos and stuff. And it's, it's going to be fantastic. Um, but like the one that like recently, I'm, I'm going to say The Miz's promo on Talking Smack against Daniel Bryan. It was a promo that was for a match that at that point we didn't know we were ever going to see. And so it was almost like questioning why you would cut that promo, but I didn't care. It was just such a good promo. Like it was, it was the first time I took the Miz seriously. And I, I, and I, that was a big turning point for me on the Miz. I, I thought it was a really, really great promo that he cut. Uh, Brett Merritt says, after Jericho's recent comments, the WWE has too many belts. How many do you uh, guys think they should have? And how would you format the company around them, i.e. keeping the brand split? Uh, see, the problem there, Brett, is that I would get rid of the brand split. As I don't think the WWE particularly like it. They just have to do it sometimes. I would get rid of that, Get rid of have one world champion, one set of tag belts, one women's belt, uh, one set of women's tag belts, um, the United States Championship, and the cruiserweight championship and just have it very very much easier to, to keep track of yes you stole my answer right from underneath me i think that's exactly how we do it especially given the brand split you do have to have the sets you know um if it wasn't for the brand split then i would just go with champion intercontinental women's kind of how it was back in the old days um, <laughs> without so many bouts and you know make the competition harder uh, Peter Greaves says, hey guys, my first mailbag question. Been listening, uh, been listening since it was just Luke and Ollie. Denise is fantastic addition to the Friday show, so welcome along. Uh, I was wondering what type of beers or cider do you guys like to drink? Because I was thinking about sending you some from New Zealand to say thank you for all the consistent consistency through all the hard times. Thank you and have a great day. It's from Peter. That is so sweet. Um, I don't drink beer at all, so... Mm. I'm not a, I'm not a beard. I'm not in anything. I'm a square. Okay. I don't do drugs. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I'm, I'm a, I'm a square. Okay. Uh, cider. I don't think I've had like apple cider. Yeah. I don't think I've had yeah, too like, much cider, but so I would I go with to... cider. I don't think I have a favorite though. Yeah. I used to drink cider when I was a, a university student because it was cheap, uh, like the budgie. Um, but like, I, I am more of a beer man. Like I do like my, my real ales. I am an old man now in my mid thirties. I'm, I'm a, a, aging ever close to 40. So real ales for me. Please. What? Uh, you don't look like it. You don't look like no, it yeah. at all. Had you not oh, well, told you. me, I would have never known. <laughs> well, thank you, God. Adam did say, Adam was surprised that I was the oldest person on the team uh, when he joined us uh, earlier this year. He was surprised that I was older than Ollie and I'm actually older by, older than Ollie by a couple of years as well. Oh, um, I know, right? Um, yeah, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, so favorite beers. Um, oh, what is my favorite beer? I do like a Doom Bar. A Doom Bar is a beautiful, beautiful ale. That's a lovely drink. Uh, oh, now I want to buy a Doom Bar. It's, it's, it's half past eight <laughs> in the morning. You can't get started that early. No, I'm not going to get started that early. Uh, <laughs> Al, uh, Al, has Ollie stopped fanboying over AEW being in the chat? Yeah, I don't know if you saw this, but AEW's I YouTube saw. channel were, yeah, so I think 
I mean, we were talking about this. I, I was speculating. This is their new guerrilla marketing technique. Uh, technique is to go into people's live streams, like wrestling fans' live streams, and getting people talking about AEW's official YouTube channel being in the live streams to then make them watch the show. It makes them sort of feel like the cool product that's there for the fans. I see that building connection with your audiences. I can see them yeah. doing that. Uh, can I hope they come into our podcast? Come back. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Rose and Titanic. Come back. Come back. <laughs> yeah, because because they did. They were on us. Apparently, they were in like uh, some guy who was playing like Raw versus SmackDown 2007. They were in his stream, but they were in Brian's uh, stream as well recently. So I think this is their new tactic now. They're okay. up, they showed up in our NXT podcast yesterday when uh, Laurie insulted them. Um, <laughs> Ivan, I know. Perfect timing. <laughs> Ivan says, in my opinion, uh, this is the first time in a long while uh, that we have a strongly booked babyface champion and heel challenges for the main titles. Drew, Randy, Strowman, Fiend, Lee, Cross. When was the last time we had a number of unpredictable title matches? And do you think WWE have improved their product because of AEW? I think NXT for me has always had really good uh, babyface heel challenges and champions. Maybe not every single time, but I think that when they build up to their really big takeover shows, they've always had a very good challenger to go against a champion. I would say it depends on timing because I feel like Braun didn't necessarily have good challengers when he wasn't, you know, facing the Fiend. And with um, with Drew McIntyre, I mean, his, his feuds so far have been with Dolph Ziggler and yeah he had one with Seth Rollins but it really wasn't anything like OMG and this is his, the one with Randy Orton is really the first big one so uh, I would say that NXT is probably doing a stronger job at that than Raw and SmackDown right now but I do think it's it's due to timing and other talent doing other things. Uh, that guy who wants to support says, hello, Luke, the entire Rust Talk family and the always lovely Denise. It's been a while since my last mailbag. Didn't really have uh, any time to think uh, of one being a soldier during the pandemic. So uh, I'm probably in the minority here, but I don't really like the cinematic matches. They're either too boring or too wacky. Um, my question is, what needs to happen in cinematic ma in cinematic matches for them to jump the shark for you? And has there ever been something so popular in wrestling that you just couldn't get behind? Have a great conversation, great weekend, keep being awesome. I yeah, I mean, I've run hot and cold in the cinematic matches. I think we've had the highs of of the Boneyard and uh, Firefly Funhouse, and then sort of the lows of the Swamp fights. And I didn't like the parking lot one in NXT either. Um, so yeah, I th I I found those to be a bit of a mixed bag. The cinematic matches yes i agree i said this i'm done with cinematic matches for a while um i again i agree with you i didn't like the street fight one at all i didn't like the swamp fight at all uh i thought that i i oh, i really enjoyed the money in the bank though i will tell you that i enjoyed that one and i enjoyed the stadium stampede i thought those ones were top notch on par wonderful i just think that in order for those to be fun they have to be like outrageous they have to be outrageous and have tons of spots things that you've never really seen done before and that's what both the stadium stampede had and the money in the bank uh matches had they were both very unpredictable and then there's a whole other style you know like the firefly fun house that was cool but i think that could only be done once after that it gets repetitive uh the boneyard match was cool because it was like a movie but it worked because of the storyline and because let's face it it was the undertaker and aj style so it worked really well um and 
that's it. But those are those are those they could be hit or miss. Like they have to have more than just it being a cinematic match. There's got to be story. There's got to be there's got to be so much that goes into it. But yeah, Stadium Stampede, Money in the Bank, amazing. Yeah, I think the the swamp fight might have been the jump the shark moment for me. Where uh, when it started, I suddenly realized I, oh, I don't think I'm actually that into this. And then when it ended, I was like, ah, oh, I don't know if I like that at all. So I think that <laughs> might have been the moment that jumped the shark for me. It might have been. I don't think the story was particularly great going in, but yeah, I, I didn't like the swamp yard at all. I know, and I felt I thought that I would have liked it. Honestly, I was expecting to like it, so I went in thinking, oh, this is going to be great. And then afterwards, I was just like. Oh, this is, I have like zero expression on my face. <laughs> uh, RLT Sandwich says with the news that Renee Young is leaving, uh, do you think she'll get a farewell match against other backstage interviewers? Um, I think it could be Sarah Schreiber, uh, but imagine Renee versus mean Charlie Caruso. That would be like absolutely out of this world, out of the box thinking. I don't see it happening, obviously, but it's it's funny. Maybe she can come in and like steal Charlie's rose and say, I'm taking this now. Good day, <laughs> goodbye, or some some silly thing like that. I don't know. Uh, Chris Gardner says, do you think squash matches are outdated? I know they did work for to a degree for Braun, and, but I would agree he wasn't fully over until his feud with Roman. The Viking War Raiders experience had waited uh, to use their exciting cartwheels, etc., uh, against a big team instead of local enhancement talent, and surely they would have gotten over huge. I asked him because I fear that we're in for an autumn of Keith Lee squash matches on Raw and SmackDown so he can get over despite him being Keith Lee. I'm not a fan of squash matches. Uh, I I could care less. I mean, there's been oh, who was doing? Forgot who it was was doing. It was I think it was Rowan was doing squash matches every single week on Raw, and I think there was one good one, and, and it was funny because I think the jobber actually he did something different. Oh, he actually tried to look inside his cage, or something happened. But I mean, every single week it was the same thing, and I just wasn't a fan. With you've seen it once, you've seen it a bunch of times. If you're gonna do it, it's got to be like right moment. I, it, it's outdated. I think people have so many dream matches, so many dream so many dream matches, so many wrestlers they'd like to see face off that haven't gotten that opportunity. And I rather see two credible opponents go ahead to head than a squash match. I think they can work, but you cannot do it for a long period of time. Like you, you mentioned Rowan, like that's the, a great example of you do it for too long. I think if you do it for a couple of weeks, it's fine. Like as a way to like, here is this character introducing it to the main roster audience. And then you put them into a storyline and feud. Like Alistair Black was doing squash matches. Alistair Black has essentially been doing squash matches since he came up to the main roster. Like, and that's a problem, you know, it's been, you know, it's a year and change now. That's the wrong way to do it. Like is to just do nothing but squash matches because like Alistair's not really had that big storyline for him. And then that, that's a real shame. He's just been either part of someone else's story or he's doing squash matches. So yeah, I think they are, they're outdated in a way, but I think they do serve a purpose just for a very short period of time. Uh, Liam Walters, uh, a quick question from Warwickshire land, now living in Ontario, Canada. Hey, love Canada. Um, <laughs> when looking back, was there anything interesting that you believed was real as a kid? And now you look back, and laugh at yourself for believing in it. Mine was five or six years old, SummerSlam 91, the Mountie losing and having to spend the night in jail. <laughs> I don't blame you, though. I don't blame you. Was that the only one, though? Or did you have I, more? No, that was uh, that was um, Liam's suggestion. Um, oh, oh, that was his. Oh, I thought that was yeah, that, yours. 
Okay. Oh no, mind. no. Like was by the time I really got into wrestling, I knew that it wasn't real. Like so, I I didn't I didn't get to have that sort of like childhood wonder, unfortunately, because wrestling was banned in my household. So I didn't really get to. It was it was a banned yeah, it was a banned substance for my parents. So I was not allowed to have that sort of childhood wonder when about wrestling. When did it so unbanned? Uh, two thousand because it was on Channel Four and I had a TV in my own room. And you can't <laughs> stop me now, Mum. You're like I'm locking the door. You can't come in, Mom. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is hilarious. I, I, that is so funny. But why was it banned? Was it because it's, you know, uh, my, my parents were like, like, my parents also were very uncomfortable with me watching Power Rangers because they, you know, the media had sold those stories that were just like, oh my God, this kid watched Power Rangers. Then he jumped out of a window. Like your kid is next. So I think my parents were slightly worried that if I got into wrestling, then I don't know if this might happen that, I, that I'm sitting here. <laughs> And You're I, and be I throwing yourself off the, the roof. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's what my parents were were slightly concerned about. See, and I was completely opposite of you. I believed everything. And when I mean everything, I could literally do an entire podcast on everything that I believed. But I'll do the funny one. So the funny one was remember when Kane uh set Jim Ross on fire and they were like backstage sitting down? I believed that so much. I was so upset. I was like on the verge of tears. And I was what you call outraged by the fact that the cameraman decided to film it instead of helping this poor man who was on fire, on fire. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh my God, if I were the cameraman, I would have put my camera down. I would have helped this man. He's on fire. And <laughs> I believed that, like, I believed it wholeheartedly. I, um, I believed like, you know, Kane and Undertaker brothers, like silly stuff like that, like all the family things, like the, all the Hollies are brother, uh, cousins. I believed all of that. And there was, um, when Eric Bischoff fired Chris Jericho on raw, uh, I remember thinking, oh my God, he's out of a job. This is horrible. Um, I hope his family has money. I'm so stressed out. Like I was financially stressed for his company. And it's, I, it was just like silly things like that where I believed and thought they were real for a very long time. And I'm embarrassed to admit all of that stuff, but it is what it is. <laughs> it's okay. This is, a, this is a safe space where we can admit these sorts of things. Uh, Philip O'Reilly, uh, my question to you, Denise, is um, as a female, what keeps you watching wrestling? And to Luke, what stops your partner from watching it? Uh, also, can I get a shout out to my eight-year-old Liam, who loves you all, apart from Laurie, who scares him? <laughs> oh, well, first of all, hi, Liam. Thank you so much for Hello. watching. It's actually my favorite name for a boy, too, Liam. Really? I love oh, that nice. name. Yes. Aww. Um. um yeah, do you want to go first? I, I mean, I, I was going to say, I can tell you exactly what stops uh, my wife from watching wrestling. She hates the production. She hates the production value of WWE. And so, like, last year's SummerSlam, we were talking about The Fiend. And, like, my wife's a very supportive woman. She listens to uh, the podcast. She listens to uh, the Wrestle podcast. Just so she can kind of, like, I think maybe to engage conversations with me every now and again and sort of ask, like, about wrestling and stuff. She has a fairly decent knowledge for someone who doesn't has never watched a wrestling show. Um, but... She, so she was like oh man can you show me this fiend entrance so i showed it to her i was like oh it's so cool like it's the coolest thing ever because i was so high on the fiend at the time and she watched it and she was like i just cannot get on board with wwe's production because the first thing they did was she did that big zoom up on the 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 lantern head she was like it just looks so fake and rubbish and i'm like yeah but the story that it's bray wyatt's head and it's symbolic and it's this and she's like yeah but it just looks so rubbish and i'm like yeah, yeah but no but it's also so good 
And uh, yeah, so she, it's, it's very much the product. When Ronda Rousey debuted at the Rumble, I showed that to her and she was like, why did WWE shoot things this way? And I'm like, I, that, I, that I don't know. That is so crazy. So she would prefer to watch maybe like if you pulled up some random independent wrestling promotion with like really, really low, poor quality. She might enjoy that. Then you should test maybe. it out and see if that that'll help her out. That's like that's wild. I've never heard of the production being an issue for somebody to stop watching. If anything, I would have thought like, oh, because, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's fake. Why are you going to waste your time watching that? I would have thought of anything that would be like the number one answer. Yeah, no, it's it's production. She was uh, when we did Wrestling Media Con a couple of years back. She was she watched the wrestling with us, and she enjoyed it. She actually enjoyed watching it, and she kind of got into it and got you know enjoyed like watching the crowd react to it. But for some reason, the way that WWE shoots their shows really turns her off, and she cannot watch it. Wow, um, I think what keeps me watching is just that. I've been a fan for so long and you just really can't stop. I mean, at, at this point, it's it's as regular to me as listening to my favorite music or watching my favorite TV shows. Like, it's just a part of my life now. <laughs> uh, Owen says, I want to ask you about CM Punk. I've just watched Luke's video about whether he was actually good or not, which featured Denise. Um, uh, since he pseudo returns to WWE, I feel like his hype and mystique has completely died. My question, I guess, is how much hype do you think a return to the ring would be now? Will it be as much as the hype there was surrounding the rumored return match of the first All Out? I feel he's fallen from grace since then. I, yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, I, as I said in that video, what could have been the biggest return pop of probably all time was just polite applause from Adam Cole and Paige in a virtually empty studio. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's sort of been diminished now, I think, it's, which is a real shame because I think it could have been one of the biggest things ever. I think so too. I mean, I CM Punk is on my top list of favorite wrestlers. I love him and all of that stuff. But the fact that he came out and, you know, was on WWE backstage and claimed, you know, hey, I'm going to break the internet and all of this. And I mean, it didn't really do much. The internet didn't break. It was very unfortunate. And I just think that had he had that moment instead of coming out and that, like you said, that pop, that unexpected thing, whether it be in WWE, AEW or wherever, honestly, people would have lost their minds. And now it's just, well, obviously he'll still get a pop, right? But I don't mm -hmm. think the, the I don't think it'd be as big as had he not done the WWE backstage thing. Yeah, I think like I think that Owen put it quite well. There's the hype and mystique has sort of is lost a little bit now. Yes. Uh, and lastly, Jordan Thomas uh, says a lot of fans will dread wrestlers being called up to Raw and SmackDown from NXT over fear that that wrestler will be ruined. But I think what fans need to realize is that the main roster needs to balance appealing to both diehard fans and the casual fans. Uh, I say this mainly because that works in uh, what works in NXT doesn't always appeal to fans on the main roster, hence why sometimes a character change is needed. For example, I remember a few friends saying they were disappointed how the Viking Raiders were portrayed as comedy characters instead of serious wrestlers. But I want to point to them before they were given some characters, um, they would... Uh, sorry, before they were given some characters with their Street Profit segments, why should anyone care about these guys? All we know about them is that they wrestle and wear Viking attire. Now, uh, you they can see them enjoying turkey legs and, and giving people a gateway into who these guys are underneath the Viking attire and a reason to care about them. WWE still needs to, to have them not lose so much. Sorry for the long question. Thoughts? So the question is pleasing diehard fans and regular fans. Yes, so... If I think if Raw and SmackDown were shaped 
or programmed, laid out more like NXT. Oh, yeah, like the diehards would be like, this is great, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I don't don't necessarily think that it would appeal to a regular audience. And I just have a quick example. So I remember going to uh, Lucha Vavoom. And me and my fiance go to the show. And obviously, we're diehard wrestling fans. Go to all the indie shows, blah, blah, blah. We expect a certain level of wrestling. We go there, and it's like this crazy burlesque and all these ridiculous things were done and you know it was very very not what we're used to watching and we didn't like the show whatsoever we thought it was one of the worst events we had ever been to and then his friend who is not a wrestling fan whatsoever went to the show and thought it was the greatest thing in the whole wide world and now goes to all the lucha Vavoom shows so different opinions for sure. So I think that, yeah, they do struggle in terms of finding a balance. And it's very interesting to watch wrestling with someone who doesn't watch wrestling because the questions that they ask or like the, the characters that capture their attention is very, very different from what you're used to responding to and what the wrestling community is used to responding to. Yeah, I, I think it's you kind of sort of answered your own question in there as well, Jordan, when you said that, you know, uh, with regards to the Viking Raiders, WWE needs to have them not lose so much. And I think like what they did is they sort of brought them up, didn't really have a plan for them. So just put them in some squash matches, gave them the titles, took the titles off them. And then we're like, uh, comedy, I guess. Like WWE's mentality is like, we put you on the main roster, you get you three weeks. If you're not over in three weeks, then we'll just repackage you or, or whatever. And I think more time needs to be given. You can get over. Like Viking Raiders could have got over as these badass viking guys that just beat dudes up because they're so impressive in the ring and like when they had longer matches on raw before they were doing comedy stuff the crowd were getting into them they started cold because they're not that familiar but then they really get into the matches you just let guys go out there and be themselves and they do get they can get over you don't need to be like ah oh, well we need to uh give them a proper character and they need to have a turkey leg and they need to have a romantic interest and this and the other to make them over or introduce them to I, you can have you don't have to resort to them being a comedy act. There's a multiple multitude of ways of, of getting someone over and just going out there and having great matches is one way of doing that. Yeah, and I still remember that pop when they won the tag bouts. I mean, people loved it. They it, it, they were at a high. And I think it was Booker T. Was it him that said that Biggie needed to be more serious in order to get over or something like that? And that's another yeah. example. Like, I'm sorry, but I think that his comedy and his natural funny charisma is what makes people like love and look at him. But just because he's funny does not necessarily mean that if he's put in a singles program that I'm in a big singles program that I, as a viewer, I'm not going to take him seriously. No, I'm definitely going to take him seriously because you can be funny and be taken seriously and, and, and you can be funny and not be taken seriously. It really just depends. Exactly, but also it's it's genuine with Biggie, like him when he after that Booker T interview where he was like, "Oh, Biggie needs to take himself more seriously now if he wants to have a world title thing." So the first thing that Biggie did was went out and SmackDown and just rolled down the ramp. <laughs> like I was like, "That is Biggie." Like it's a genuine thing that, it, and it's a genuine human thing for for Biggie. Like this is the person that he is. I am just going to log roll my way down to the ring now because that's what I want to do because I think that's funny. And that that's going to endear into people. And I think the Biggie is a great example of someone who is you just won't let him go out there. The New Day overall, just go out there and be yourselves. WWE were going to give them characters. They were going to be the new nation of domination. They were going to be the sort of preacher gimmick things. Why Biggie does the big like, oh, it's why he has that sort of voice. 
but they didn't. They just like went out there with themselves and they got over massively because of it. Like it's, it, it totally works. Exactly. And I mean, I was already a fan of Biggie, but I think when he did the rolling thing, I was like, you know what? This just took it up a notch. I love him more. That's it. <laughs> Denise, I have got to ask you about this tweet that you put up uh, that I spotted this morning. You got sent some care package, uh, some goodies from the United Kingdom. Yeah, so I was going to say what tweet because I post so much. Um, So yeah, (laughs) I paid for... I'm a sucker. If somebody posts an ad, chances are I'm going to buy from you. I saw this ad on Facebook for some product that sends you snacks from like other places of the world. And every month it's a different one. So, um, so this month it's the UK and I've, I've, you know, I've been to London and and Northern Ireland and all of that. Right. But I don't, I don't remember really trying that many snacks and I miss traveling right now. So I got this subscription and anyway, so I got the snacks. I haven't tried them yet, though. I'm going to try them tomorrow, but I'm a little bit scared because I saw one of the chips was like lamb and mint. And I was like, I don't want to eat the lamb or the mint. <laughs> but it, but hey, I'm going to try that. I'm, I'm game. Yeah, so I was I was very curious by this. Yeah, we've got lamb and, uh, lamb and mint Welsh potato crisps. Um, what's it? Is it honey and mustard uh, crisps there as well? Yummy banana toffee. Pickled onion rings. I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll just be honest with you now. The pickled onion rings are the most unique. Like, they're the most genuine thing there. Like everything else feels like that. Those are not UK snacks. But those so pickled onion rings, those, I don't know. But like lemon mint crisps, <laughs> like they're not a, like they're not a common thing here. Um, what? Neither, neither they screwed me of my money. <laughs> I paid fifteen dollars for that box. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, banana toffee. That's not really a thing here either. I don't, I don't know, know what, what to think then. I don't know what you've got here, mate. But like, this is what's the other thing? I need to bring this closer to me. What else have we got in here? So they lied uh, to me. They even gave me like this beautiful map of the UK, and they were like, "This is where this is from. This is where that's from." And I was like, "Oh my god, this is fantastic! I'm so cultural now." <laughs> <laughs> and now it's yeah, a I lie. Mean, I mean, maybe people can correct me on this, but like toffee. Fi- the, I, I tell you what, the shortbread—that's that's very British. The shortbread okay. is very British, and the pickled, yeah, the pickled onion rings. That I mean, I don't like them, but they are. I feel they're they're quite like a common British like party food snack. Now I'm terrified because I'm going to be doing a video on this, so I'm terrified because <laughs> I actually have to eat it, and I have very picky taste buds, so I don't know how that's going to play out. But you know what? Like I said, I'm game and I'm willing to do it. But yeah, I saw some people on Twitter that were like, I've never heard from this. And they're, I'm from the UK and I'm like, oh no, I got scammed. <laughs> I got scammed. I think, I think I need to send you an actual UK snack care package. And so you can like- Please do. Twiglets in there. Uh, uh, yeah. Twiglets? See, Twiglets. I don't even know what the, oh, see, I don't even know what Twiglets is. So yes, please do. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're Marmite flavored crisps and I don't like them. They, uh, they they had like these curry flavored ones about 20 years ago. And they were the only ones I've actually liked. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll put together a proper care package for you. We'll Wonderful. You UK snacks. Uh, how's your weekend looking? So I have a really big interview scheduled for tomorrow. I'm really, really stoked about it. And um, then Saturday and Sunday, obviously wrestling, 
takeover and SummerSlam. So I'll be live streaming on the channel. My, uh, my post show review, my post show reactions, uh, well thoughts on the pay-per-view and you know, all of that stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. And I I, I'm excited though, because I I had so many interviews this week that I got to the point where I couldn't post them all this week. And I had to schedule them for next week and i hate doing that like i like to shoot an interview and release it the exact same day like i don't have the patience for that and i just had the mickey james interview and my fiance watched it and he was like oh my god denise like you were just smiling the entire interview and i was like dang was it that obvious because i was so happy to be talking to mickey james like i was fangirling internally and now and she's been liking all of my tweets so i feel like we're best friends now I was so thrilled. I, I loved the interview you did with with Mickey James because I'm Thank a huge. You. I'm a huge Mickey James mark. Uh, she she was like as a as a, a teenage lad, she was one of my wrestling crushes. So like I've always been a big Mickey James mark. When they announced she was coming back to Raw this week, I was like dead excited, and I was genuinely annoyed when they just had Seth and Joe talk over the whole thing. I was like, I was like, guys, that is Mickey James. She will show some respect. And she didn't even get an entrance. They literally did that to Mickey freaking James. I can't believe it. Not on board, mate. Not on board. Can you can you give us any teases for who your big interview is with, or is it really is it really being kept under wraps? Well, I I'm always scared to say anything because there's always the possibility of like, oh, this d- won't happen. Like the la- okay, so I had the interview with Mickey James scheduled for last week, and I I announced it like I'm gonna be dropping a big interview tomorrow, and then I get a an email from her publicist, probably two hours after that tweet saying, oh, s- travel arrangements, blah blah blah, yeah. we can't do it. And I'm thinking, God, the one time <laughs> I tweeted this out, and then I had to do a quote retweet and be like, guys, this this ain't happening. Travel, blah blah blah. But if all works out, uh, your your hint will be Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing I can think of right now, but I'm sure that gives it away. I don't know. (laughs) Well, uh, I mean, I I look forward to it very much, Denise. Um, Your interview with Scotland, the entirety. (laughs) I'm just going to bring on a bunch of Scottish people and talk about Scotland, even though I don't know anything about Scotland and I've never been to Scotland. (laughs) Well, I mean, when we had uh, Steve here on this podcast uh, a couple of years ago now, I've never been to Scotland. And how far is that from you? It's, I mean, it's like probably like a five hour, maybe a six hour drive. That's not too bad. That's like for me in San Francisco. Yeah, it's quite easily done. I just, I've never been. Why not? I would kill to be five hours away from Scotland. I'm five out. The only city five hours away from me is San Francisco. And let's face it. You can see San Francisco in two days and you're done. All right. That's (laughs) it. It, There's nothing more. That's it. Exactly. (laughs) Alcatraz, right? The bridge bridge in Alcatraz is about the only things that that place is known for, right? Yeah. And I've never been to Alcatraz, though, because, I mean, I've seen it from afar, but uh, you always have to make appointments, and I never make the appointments. But you know what, though? I do like boating and and Fisherman's Wharf. That's really nice. Um, Now that I haven't been anywhere, I do miss San Francisco. But, I mean, (laughs) California, I, I mean, you could drive to certain places, and there's so many. I've never been to Yosemite. So I feel you. You've never been to Scotland. I've never been to Yosemite. <laughs> I was speaking of boating. I'm going uh, canoeing this weekend. Are you um, really? 
I am. Yeah, I'm going out to see my parents uh, tonight. Uh, my brother and his girlfriend are going as well. So got, the six of us are going to be together for the first time since March. We're really excited for that. Oh, and you mentioned go, that. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. We're going to go canoeing. It's going to be really fun. You're going to get an arm workout, though. The only canoeing I've done was at Disneyland, and I regretted it. And it was only like a 20-minute canoe thing. <laughs> Uh, right. Well, thank you as always, Denise. Uh, tell people where they uh, where people can find you on social media. Twitter and Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo. I'm almost at 18k on Instagram, and I'm almost at 8k on Twitter. And my goal is to be SRS on Twitter followers someday. So I'm really, really working on that. <laughs> there you go, everyone listening to this podcast. Help Denise beat Sean. Like, that's what we're looking to do now. Uh, thank you, as always, Denise. Have a great weekend, everyone. We will see you. Uh, we'll be actually be back on Monday because we've got the SummerSlam review. It'll be me and Ollie doing the SummerSlam review. So much content going up over the next few days. Take care, everyone. I love you. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.